Welcome all of you to Blackhawk Church. Welcome to everyone who is here in the room right now. And uh, would you help me right now in welcoming everybody who is joining us right now. Welcome to everybody at Blackhawk Fitchburg. So glad you guys are here. Welcome to everyone at Blackhawk Downtown. Keep clapping because we've got to make sure they all know. Blackhawk Downtown, Gospel Fusion. To all of you from our Blackhawk Chinese ministry, Dijon Zimei Ping An. And to everybody who is joining us online. All right, that's enough clapping, so thank you. So all of you joining us online, uh, you know, regardless if you're at home or on vacation somewhere at a beach, if you're on a beach, I wish I was with you. If you're at a lake house or a cabin over this holiday weekend, we're really glad that you're joining us. We are all one church in a lot of different locations right now. And uh, it's great to have the chance to be able to be together. So um, this is kind of a unique week. I think it's kind of, if I can be honest, I think it's kind of hilarious that my first week to be here preaching as uh, the senior pastor is on the 4th of July. It because, like, think about this. I um, have been co-piloting with Chris for almost a year and a half. And now today is Independence Day, (laughs) where I am finally independent from that Dolson guy. Come on. Like, I was thinking, so for the rest of the worship music, we've just changed it all to Hamilton tunes for the rest of the service. In fact, we tried to get Chris to make a cameo dressed like this, like King George. We thought that would be perfect for today. You know, but, but in reality, we thought, okay, that doesn't work all that well for our story because in reality, um, King George is coming back to work part-time in six months, so that doesn't work all that well. But, uh, you know, it's just been an interesting week. Last week, uh, right as Chris was finishing his last service, headed out to his car, everybody was cheering for him outside. He got into his car. I actually posted this on my social media if you want to take a look at the video. And uh, he looked at me and uh, from his car, rolls down his window with a big smile on his face, looks at me, points, and goes, tag, you're it. (laughs) I might have peed myself a little bit in that moment. And he drove away, you know. And, uh, And so, but in all honesty, it's really great. Really great to be able to be here with with all of you today. Um, You know, one of the interesting things that has happened to me, not just this past week, but really like for a handful of months right now, is there are all kinds of people who, people from our church, some of you, who have come and you've asked me questions like, all right, so Matt, where are you taking the church? You know, like, like, like where are we headed in the future? In other words, Matt, what's about to change? What's going to change for the future of Blackhawk? And I thought it was an interesting conversation because, you know, I've been on, I've been on staff here for over 20 years now. And uh, part of the reason why I've been on staff for over 20 years really is because I've loved the direction that our church has been going. I mean, it's just been an honor to be a part of the ride of what God has been doing in this church for so long. This is Christ's church, not Chris's church, not my church. And, and so just to be a part of what God has been doing and to see the way that he's worked, I believe in the vision of the directions that Blackhawk has been moving you know, up to this point. But reality is, we all know this, this past year, we've all been forced into change. In a lot of ways. I mean, you think about it. Back to, you know, M- March, year and a half ago almost. You know, we were all in person in February. And then March came and all of a sudden we are 100% online. 
you know, and now we're in this place, in this place with more and more people coming back, which we love, and people still continuing to be online. We're committed to this hybrid model of being able to do church together, regardless if you're at Braider Way or at Fitchburg or downtown or in any of our venues here, Gospel Fusion, Chinese venue, traditions. And in the same way, we're committed to doing things well online for everyone who's joining us online right now, regardless if you're in Dane County, around the country, or really around the world. We want to figure out this hybrid model. Things have changed for the way that we've been doing ministry, and it's going to continue that way as we figure that out. But what I wanted to do, rather than focus on change, I wanted to take some time as a church really to be able to click pause on change and to talk about, okay, what's not changing? What are the, in other words, what are the foundational bedrock elements of who we are as a church of, and what it is that we truly believe when it comes to our theology and what we believe about God? And so we decided as a teaching team, Charles, myself, a few other people, we got together. We decided to do a series called Rooted, where we're going to take a look at the, really, the, 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 the foundational grounding element of what we believe and, and why we believe it. Of what we believe as a church and as a denomination, the Evangelical Free Church of America. Now, as I say that, one... As I say that out loud, I think that sounds sort of like a snoozer of a series in some ways. You might be thinking that. And then also for some of you, you might be going, I didn't even know that we were a part of a denomination. You know, yes, we are. And, uh, and listen, what we believe and why we believe it, it matters. What we are rooted in in life, it really, really matters. Um, my, uh, my parents actually flew into town to be here for my first day preaching, flew in from South Florida. And, uh, w- you know, I grew up in South Florida. The house that I grew up in, we had this massive ficus tree in front of our house. In fact, I think we got a picture of it that I can show you. Look at the size of that tree. Isn't that awesome? Like to a, man, t- like to a kid, that is like heaven. Like that was the coolest tree growing up to be able to climb. My dad would put rope swings up at it in it at different times. He built like a platform tree fort in it. It was absolutely fantastic. Well, back in 2005, my, my parents in October, they, they came to visit here. And uh, they come a lot of times during that time of the year just because the weather feels good in comparison to South Florida. And, uh, and while they were here in 2005, there was actually um, a hurricane that built up during that time and, and hit South Florida, Hurricane Wilma, doing incredible damage to South Florida. And while my parents were here, we all went to bed. The morning after the storm had hit, my parents started getting phone calls and texts about something that had taken place at their house where the ficus tree had actually gone down. Now, it didn't land on their house, but you'll see it did land on their cars, on top of it. Entire tree went down. See, the thing that actually we learned in that time is these big ficus trees, the root systems in them actually are really shallow and kind of small. So as the tree gets large, eventually, like when the storms come, winds blow, the roots aren't able to withstand the, you know, the elements of what takes place in a storm like that. You know, the root system matters. Now, we all know that when it comes to trees, don't we? You know, I mean, like, if you go outside and you look at things, when, when you look at trees, we see pictures of trees and paintings of trees. They're normally of 
trees. They're not of, of the root system. Most of the time, we don't even notice the roots, but we would all say roots matter. What that tree is grounded in, it, it matters. It's that root system that gives stability to, to that tree when the storms inevitably are going to come. It's that root system that ends up nourishing that tree, allowing it to grow. You see, it's the same way, really, with us. What we are rooted in, what we believe, it really matters. We can be, we could easily be people who walk through the doors of this place. You're in church every week. You know, you're up front, we're praising, your hands are raised, you're worshiping, you're in a life group, you're serving. And yet your roots could be really shallow. What you believe in, man, you're not even exactly sure what you believe or why you believe it. And the thing is, is that we know that, man, it's when storms come, and for all of us, it's not, it's not if storms are going to come, it's when storms are going to come. We know they're all coming that direction. And it can be easy for us to just simply be blown over, to be uprooted, because roots they matter. And so we want to take a look at, as a church, as a whole, all of our sites, all of our venues, wherever you're joining in right now, we want to take some time to be able to look at what is it that we're rooted in? What is it that we believe? And why do we believe it? And so for this series, we're going to cover a bunch of different subjects. We're going to talk about God. We're going to talk about the Bible. We're going to talk about the human condition. In other words, the fall of humanity, sin that we fell into. We're going to talk about Jesus as Lord and Jesus as Savior. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the church and its role in the world. Christian living, what does it mean to live as a Christ follower? We're going to talk about heaven and hell, and we're going to talk about Christ's return. And uh, those are the foundational roots of what we land on as a church. It's the foundational roots of what we believe is the EFCA, the Evangelical Free Church of America, our denomination, which some of you are like, had no idea. For a lot of you, you might go, I just thought you were Blackhawk Church. Didn't know that you were a part of anything. Well, it's, it's kind of funny. Back um, in the late 90s, Blackhawk kind of made this shift in, in, in its title. Uh, up to that point, we had been known as Blackhawk Evangelical Free Church. But the thing that we started to find in society is that the evangelical free part, it was just confusing to people. What does that even mean for people coming through the doors? So we dropped that part of it and we just became known as Black Hawk Church because evangelical free, it's, it's confusing. Case in point. So when I was hired here at Black Hawk in, in 2000, uh, I was the college and young adult pastor. And, uh, and back at that time, we started doing some different missions trips with uh, our college ministry and in conjunction with the Landscape Architecture School of the University of Wisconsin. It was really, really unique. We had a relationship with a particular church in a city called Eureka in Honduras. And that city um, needed a playground. And so this church stepped up to the plate and, and Blackhawk connected with them. And we made a commitment to build a playground in this particular city. And from our relationships with the Landscape Architecture School, we had this unique opportunity to have landscape architecture students who were all over the map spiritually who designed this playground in order to build it in Eureka. We had everything shipped there. And then those students, along with our Christian students, our Christ-following students, from Blackhawk partnered together on this trip where the Blackhawk students came to kind of be the grunt workers to make the playground actually happen. It was really cool, and we did this for a number of years. 
Well, any time that you're getting to know new people, you know that it takes a little while to be able to do that. So we're building relationships, the Blackhawk students with these landscape architecture students. And I was on this trip. I was having a conversation with a girl from landscape architecture school who's a senior, not a believer. And I just asked her early on, first day of the trip, I'm like, so what made you decide like, to come on a trip with a church? And she said to me, she's like, yeah, if I'm honest, I felt kind of uncomfortable with it at first. But then I, I went on your website and I saw, well, okay, wait, you're, um, it's Blackhawk Evangelical Free Church. So I felt okay about that because um, that just felt all right. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. She knows about our denomination. I had no idea. And, and I said, really, you, you know who we are? She's like, well, no, not really. But I just figured that if you're an evangelical free church, that that's okay. All of a sudden I realized, oh, she's thinking of it as like fat-free, gluten-free, caffeine-free, evangelical-free. I'm like, that's what you're like, fat-free. And so I said that. She's like, yeah, exactly. So I thought, yeah, this is going to be fine. <laughs> See, it's confusing. I did not correct her in that moment. Well, actually, you know, I figured I would sort of let that one hang there for a little bit. But for some of you who are confused, it might be worth it to do a little bit of a history lesson. So, okay, where did the Evangelical Free Church come from? Well, years and a long time ago, Evangelical Free Church were a group of churches who decided to break away from the state church. Their hope was, was that they would be a group of churches who would ground themselves in the essentials of the gospel without allowing the minor areas of doctrine that oftentimes separate churches be the things that would affect us. So rather than focusing on the, the minor doctrinal issues that separated, they desired to be a community of churches that would ground themselves and root themselves in the essentials for the sake of helping the communities that they were in understand the true elements of the gospel. That's where the evangelical free church started from. That's really where it began. And look, if you're interested in finding out more about that, two different things you can do. One, um, you can go on our denomination website, efca.org. All kinds of information there you can check out. But another one is there's a book that was written by the leaders of the EFCA called Evangelical Convictions. And uh, in it, all of these different topics that we're going to cover in this series are all talked about. They are different chapters in this book that unpack our statement of faith. And uh, it kind of reads like a brief systematic theology book. And for some of you, you might be interested in that. That could be something to check out. You know, it was interesting as I, as I conversations continued with this landscape architecture student, as we got to know each other, you know, everybody gets more comfortable and real questions then start coming out. And a handful of days after we had started this trip, we were finishing up on the work site. She came to me and she's like, okay, Matt, I've got a question for you. She had two other landscape architecture students with her, none of them believers. And, uh, and I'm like, all right, yeah, what's your question? She said, okay, what is an evangelical? I said, okay, that's interesting. And I said, all right, I'll answer it. But before I do, I would love to know what you think of as an evangelical. And she's like, mm, you really want to know? I'm like, yeah, I really want to know. Tell me. She's like, you're serious. I'm like, yeah, just tell me. She goes, okay. Rich, white, conservative, judgmental, hypocritical, homophobic, expletive. I said, no, I was hoping you were going to be descriptive with the way that you were going to lay that out. And, and, and here's the thing. 
This was a decade ago. You see, we, we all know as we sit here, even the word evangelical in our world today, here in the United States in the culture society that we're living in, it's a complicated word, isn't it? It's become known for things that it was never meant to be known for. Back when our denomination was named, the word evangelical meant something different. Really, if you go back to the, to the origination of the word, you go back to the Greek, the word euangelion. Euangelion is a word just simply meaning the gospel or the good news. In other words, evangelicals were supposed to be people who lived by the elements and the concrete uh, foundations of the message of the gospel of grace and mercy and love and forgiveness that Jesus was willing to show all of us. That we would be people marked by that so much that we would be people who reflect that to the world that we live in. That was the idea of what an evangelical was supposed to be. It was a person who had been marked by the gospel. And if you've been around Blackhawk at all for a period of time, you know that we, we talk about the gospel a lot around here. We think it's pretty important. But you know, if we really want to get to the core of what we're rooted in, we've got to go back past the gospel. Because before there was the message of the gospel, there was God. And that's the place that we actually need to start. We've got to start with God. We have to start at the beginning. And if you look at the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it starts us right there, right out of the gate. In the beginning, God. Decent place for us to start. If we want to understand the foundations of what we as Christ followers are rooted in. If you're not a believer and want to know what it is that we're rooted in, we've got to start with the place of God. Let me ask you a question, though. What do you think about? What comes to mind for you when you think about God? When Rachel and I, when we moved to Madison back in 2000, um, I, uh, I, I pretty quickly got to know a guy who, who lived here in Madison who wasn't a believer. He owned a skateboard shop down in the downtown area, and we would skateboard together, and uh, we um, you know, spent a decent amount of time. One day, I was at his shop, and he looked at me. He's like, there was no one else in the shop. He's like, okay, Matt, I got a question for you. And, you know, a spiritual question. You know, as a pastor, this just seems to happen. I don't know. It's just part of the job, I guess. And people always come, and they'll have different questions. He's like, I got a question. I'm like, all right. And I'm thinking it's going to be something about culture and, and Christianity or maybe something about why Christians believe what we believe. You know, something like that. I'm just preparing myself. All right, what do you got? He looks at me, and he goes, what do you think about God? Now, okay, in all honesty, I had never, I've been doing ministry for a long time. I had never been asked that question so bluntly. It almost kind of like surprised me. What do you think about God? I honestly, at the first moment, like I didn't know what to say. And I'm a pastor. You know, like I should have an answer to that question. He asked us, what do you, what do you think about God? We had a great conversation about it. It causes me to stop to ask the question though, what do you think about God? You know that my skateboard buddy is not the only one who thinks that that's an important question for any of us. There's a great, there's a great theologian uh, named A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer is a, uh, um, wrote just a fantastic little book called Knowledge of the Holy. If you've never read it, you should pick up a copy of it. You can get it really cheap. Uh, but in that book, he says these words. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. 
So here's my question from my skateboard buddy as well as from a great theologian. What comes to mind for you when you think about God? It's important for us to stop and honestly take a look at what, when we think about God, what are we honestly rooted in? Because the thing that we realize, it can be really easy for us over time to gain misconceptions about who God is. Like we just start to, over time, sort of miss the boat on who God really is due to the circumstances and situations of our lives. There are a lot of different misconceptions. I wanna look at just a few of them. For, for some of us, we think of God like he's, a concierge. You know, he's kind of, um, he, 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 we, most of the time in, in the lobbies of our lives, we don't even notice him. He's just sort of white noise in the background until we need him for something. And all of a sudden when we have a need or a desire or something like that, man, we're right to him. And we picture that he's the one who's sitting there listening to us, dealing with our problem with a smile on our face, giving us whatever we need, and then saying, is there anything else I can do for you today? And then once that's taken care of, then he just goes back to kind of being in the distance where we don't even notice him in the lobby of our lives. That's for some of us the way that we think about God. He's a concierge. For some of us, we might think of God like he's a mob boss. He'll do stuff for us, but it's gonna cost us. Like, he's the guy that we're not sure we really trust all that much, and he's willing to do a favor, but you know you're going to owe him, and you're going to owe him for a long time. Some of us think of God that way, like he's a mob boss. Some of us think of God like he's uh, an, an out-of-touch grandpa, Okay, now, as I say that, okay, let me, just, let me just put something out there. I am not saying that all grandparents are out of touch, okay? Please do not email me about that. Did I mention that my folks are here today? <laughs> you know? So, but, but we all know the stereotype. We picture God like he's this person that used to be cutting edge. You know, back when he was creating the world and then doing all the miracles in the Old Testament, he was busy and on point. But now kind of since then, he's sort of retired and, and, and doesn't really have all that much to do any longer. And in all honesty, when it comes to the world and the way it is today, he doesn't really get it anymore. We picture him just these kind of out of touch. Some of us, we think of God that way. Another misconception maybe some of you buy into, you, you think of God like he's a, a drill sergeant. You know, he's this guy who is going to ride you. Anytime that you mess up, he is there to tell you, get in your face and tell you what you've done wrong. And you can never do enough to actually make that person like encourage you or tell, something, tell you something good about yourself. Nope, that will never happen no matter how much you do. But he will always be there to tell you where it is that you're screwing up. Some of us, we think of God that way. He's just like a drill sergeant. Some of us, we think of God like he's, um, like a, um, uh, how would I say it? Like an overworked, um, you know, overworked uh, Amazon worker. You know, he's like working in the warehouse as all the orders from the world come in 24-7, constantly trying to fill orders, never with a break, completely working overtime, utterly exhausted, never with any time to deal with your order. Or if you actually said you just kind of wanted to like hang out, he'd be like, are you kidding? Do you see how much I have to do? That's the way we picture God. For some of us, we don't even picture God like a person. He's just, you think of him just sort of like he's an energy, you know, like, like, uh, like the force, you know, in Star Wars. He's just sort of there. 
You see, the thing is, we can all easily, over time, do the circumstances, situations of our lives, we can slip into these ideas of God. Okay, so if those aren't God, then what is God like? Well, the interesting thing is, based upon Scripture, our denomination actually came up with a statement of what we, as Christ followers, in the Evangelical Free Church believe about God. It says this. We believe in one God, creator of all things, holy, infinitely perfect, and eternally existing in a loving unity of three equally divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Having limitless knowledge and sovereign power, God has graciously purposed from eternity to redeem a people for himself and make all things new for his own glory. Well, that's clear. Perfect. Glad we could share that. Let's close in prayer. Thanks so much for being here. So, I mean, when you look at a statement like that, that's packed full. There is so much going on in that statement. I mean, literally every one of those attributes, those could easily be a sermon. You know, I mean, we could take a long time just trying to unpack that. Or think about just the idea of the Trinity. God, three in in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We could do an entire summer series just on the idea of, of the Trinity. You know, I mean, there's so much there. And all of these statements that are in there, they're completely backed by Scripture. Look at some of these passages. So this is just a small handful. Deuteronomy 6.4, it's a passage in the Old Testament known as the Shema. That it tells us that the Lord, oh, he's one. So Deuteronomy 6.4 6, tells us the Lord is one. 1 John 4.8 tells us that God is love. 2 Peter 3.9 tells us that God's, God's patient and he wishes all people to come to repentance. Isaiah 40 tells us that God's the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't ever grow tired or weary, and no one is ever going to be able to wrap their mind around his understanding. James 1.17 tells us God doesn't ever change. And, and Psalm 18 tells us that God's ways are, are, are perfect. I mean, we could just go on and on and on about this subject of just unpacking the idea of God. And when we start to dive into passages like this, there's something that happens as we start to look at the grandeur and majesty and hugeness of God, God starts to get really big. And when I really think about it, I start to get really small. And that's actually a good thing. There's a resizing that takes place. But all of that stuff too, when I wrap my mind around it, it can easily, can't it be true, like start to like turn into white noise. Like I don't even know where to go with all of that. Do you know where I go to more than anywhere else? When I try to look at what it means for me to root myself in God and who he is and what he's about. The topic that I come to more than anything else that grounds me, that roots me in the midst of the storms of life is that God is the author of the gospel. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me right now. If you have them on a smartphone, turn to the book of Romans right now in the New Testament. In the book of Romans, chapter 1. Romans is a book that's written by the Apostle Paul, and uh, he was writing to the early church in Rome in order to help them understand the reality of the gospel and, and what it really says. And the thing I love about Paul in this letter is he just, he doesn't get into like the, like, hey, how you doing? Great to, you know, so glad that we can be in touch. No, he just goes straight into things right out of the gate. Romans chapter 1, verse 1 starts this way. Paul a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. 
The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son. So who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David. And who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Already in the first three verses, if you go just a little farther, he unpacks the whole idea of the gospel message and what it is. But the interesting thing, leave this up for just a minute. Look at what it says here in verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of who? The gospel of God. The gospel who promised beforehand? God promised beforehand. The gospel is God's idea. He's the one who came up with it. He's the one who made sure hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was ever on the scene that the prophets of the Old Testament were were talking about what was coming with the gospel because the gospel is something that has always been a part of God's plan. Okay, so for some of you, you might be new around here and you're going, great, what's the gospel? Well, around here at Blackhawk, we talk about it this way. In, In the beginning, God created the world. God created the world perfect. Everything about it, universe, earth, everything that's on the earth, you know, animals, fish, birds, everything perfect. And then as the culmination of God's creation, God created us, humanity. And he created us, uniquely created in his image with the ability to be in perfect relationship with God, perfect relationship with one another. But then humans, well, we kind of blew it. And, And humans, we decided that we wanted to be our own Little gods, we fell into sin. And because of that sin, that caused there to be a barrier between, between us and God that we could not break through ourselves. And so God sent a rescuer into this world, his son Jesus, to live the perfect life that we were supposed to live. And in him living that life, Jesus went to the cross as he was on the cross. He absorbed into himself all of the sin of humanity taking the wrath of his father, God just, justly pouring out his wrath to pay for all the penalty for our sins. So now that for any of us who place our faith in Jesus, in him alone for our salvation, that barrier can be broken. We can be in right relationship with God and invited into God's, what we call his worldwide restoration process, his worldwide restoration project. So of one, helping the world understand who Jesus truly is and transforming this world into what God intended it to be. That's the message of the gospel. And God authored that. You want to know if God's a good God, all you have to do is look at the gospel. You want to know if God's a just God, all you have to do is look at the gospel. You want to know if God is a God of grace and kindness and mercy and forgiveness. All you have to do is root yourselves in the gospel because God is the author of what took place there. You see, the gospel is the thing that ties all of the pieces together. It's like a a shoestring in a shoe that you might be wearing that pulls all the eyelets together, making it fit on your foot. That's exactly what the gospel does. All of these subjects that we're gonna be covering in this series, like you can look at God and Jesus and the church and the Holy Spirit and humanity, like they can all sound like big theological talks. But when we realize that God authored it for all of those to be pulled together for the message, so it actually says this, It says that when we think about it, God's the author of the gospel. That's what we're talking about today. For the weeks coming up, the Bible, it reveals the gospel. 
Human condition, it necessitates the gospel. We need it in our lives. When we think of Jesus as Lord, he is the promised one who brings the gospel. Jesus as Savior is the sacrifice, which is the core to the gospel. The Holy Spirit transforms us for the mission of the gospel. The church is the multi-ethnic, multi-generational reflection of the world to the gospel. Can I get an amen from someone in that? Christian living is when we live our lives for the sake of the gospel. Heaven and hell, what we are saved from and saved to because of the gospel. And Christ's return is what we long for in the gospel. And all of that being tied together, God's the author of it. He's the one who came up with it because he's good and just and powerful and kind and gracious and forgiving. You know what's another word that we could say is a true attribute about God? You know, we looked at that statement of faith, all the different things. You know what's another word that we could throw out there about God? See, he's stubborn. We, we serve a stubborn God. Say that together with me, stubborn. God's a stubborn God. He is, he is stubborn with the way that he works. Some of you are like, I'm not sure I want to call God stubborn. I don't know, that feels a little weird. No, 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 he is. He's a stubborn God. I mean, you think about it. God's the one who came up with a plan to continue to move towards us even in the midst of our sin. He continues to come after you. When we turned our back on God, he did not turn his back on us, but in actuality, he rooted himself to his creation. Why? Because he's stubborn. He's a stubborn God. He rooted himself to us in hopes that we, we would be people who root ourselves in him. He's the one who continues to move towards us. Do you know what that means? <laughs> it should give you great hope because it means that there is, there is no level of sin that you have committed in the past that you are committing now or will commit in the future that would keep God from continuing to pursue you. Someone should be saying amen to that right now. This is the moment where we get a little more charismatic in the room. So, God's stubborn and he continues to move towards you. He loves you to that great of a level. He is the author of a plan that made it possible for him to continue to move towards you, even though we as people might continue to try to move away from him. You know what that means? It means that there's, there's no level of darkness in your life that you have stepped into that for some reason you've bought into the idea, I'm just too far gone from God. He won't want anything, from, he won't, won't want anything of me that would keep God from trying to move towards you to light up that area, to meet you in that place, to clean up your life and transform you. You see, God, God's more excited about your salvation. He's pursuing it more than you are. God is, is more excited about your transformation in your life is pursuing it more than you are. God desires to see life change happen in you more than you do. It means that, that that barrier that we might have created between us and God that keeps us from God, yeah, there's no level of what God will do to break through that barrier to get to you. You know what it means? It means that the, the lies that you tell yourself, <laughs> we all do, I do myself. I've screwed up too big. I don't, I don't deserve 
to be with God. He wouldn't really want anything to do with me. All the lies that we tell ourselves, there is no level that he will go to to try to tear those down from helping us see the truth about who he is and what he's about, that we might be people who completely root ourselves in the truth of God's love for us. He's stubborn. He's coming after you. He desires for us to be people who would root ourselves in him. He's the author of the gospel. There's no greater thing than we can root our lives in. Let me pray for us. Lord God, I thank you so much. <laughs> You're a God who just continues to come after us. <laughs> you love us more than we can understand or imagine. And it, even as I say those words out loud, I, <laughs> like I feel like I get that in such small, insignificant way. Like I'm just, I'm a sinful, broken man. We're sinful, broken people. We are so in need of your grace and love and mercy and forgiveness. And we are so in need of, of, of you in our lives. Would you help us to be people who dig deep roots into you, that you would be the one who nourishes us that you would be the one who grows us, that you would be the one who makes us stable, gives us stability in the storms of life that inevitably, inevitably are going to come. God, thank you for the way that you work. Thank you for your overwhelming love for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people together, everywhere, all sites and venues right now said, amen. <laughs>